It's been said that I have a hoarding problem. I don't know that it's necessarily a hoarding problem other than it's a lot of clutter and disorganization. I live in a studio room. I have my bed and space set up on this side, and then I have space on the other side of the room for my son. Jessica's room is packed full of stuff. She needs to get the junk that she's hanging on to out of the way so that she can live and be healthy. I learned about Jessica's hoarding the first time that I went to her apartment. I was like, whoa. To me, it's a bunch of junk. Some of the things that I like to hoard or hold on to are dishes, teapot, teacups. I think that's actually broken, so This is one of my stacks of papers. I have under here my collectible VHS tapes, and this is CDs. I haven't used these in years. Wedding shoes. These are the porcelain masks that I collect. I'm definitely keeping those. This is from high school. I personally don't think that it's a super huge deal. Oh, hey, a remote for something. I want Jessica to do something about it. I love her because of her, so I'm trying to work with it, but eventually, if she doesn't get rid of a lot of this junk, it's going to be a problem. But I look at what's around me, and I get overwhelmed. <sighs> I'm not exactly sure how many elbows were thrown in that video. Why don't you raise your hand if you live with a Jessica? I wouldn't do that to your marriages. How about uh, how about if you are a Jessica and you have uh, you have all this clutter, you have all this stuff that you hold on to, these things that are sort of filling up your life, and and it doesn't really seem to be a big problem until one day you take a step back and you go, whoa, I got some stuff in my life that just shouldn't be there. I need to stop holding on to some things that are causing me to have a cluttered life. We're going to talk about that in this series called Declutter. We're not really talking about the condition of your house, although if that helps you, the type A in, my, in me is a little bit proud of that. But I want to talk about not the condition of your house, but the condition of your heart. You have stuff in there that you've been holding on to for a long time. You have stuff like Jessica that you don't really view as a big problem, but... It just keeps building up and building up and building up, and all of a sudden, it's a problem. I hope that uh, we can, in this series, learn about how to choose what's best and just discard, leave behind all of the rest. Let go of the stuff that God never intended us to hold on to. For the first lesson of this series, I want to go and look at a story in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This will be our key text this morning, and it is a good one. It's a story of two women, although they shared the same house, their hearts were in a very different place. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, tells us the name of those women was Martha and Mary. And though they were sisters... Uh, they had a very different approach to what happened when Jesus came to their home. Read with me. Follow along in chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and asked, 
Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. The very first simple point that we learn in this text is that Martha had opened her home, but Mary had opened her heart. You see, I don't want to pick too much on Martha. She was doing a good thing. She was practicing hospitality. I've had people come and talk to me before and say, don't are we a little too hard on Martha Didn't she open her home? Didn't she fix a meal? Didn't she invite Jesus in? Wasn't that a good thing to do? Yes, it absolutely was. And certainly, in that culture, in Mideastern cultures, hospitality is key. It's the cornerstone to expressing your love, your concern. Uh, It's the way that you practically love your neighbor. So Martha was doing a good thing. She was doing the right thing. But her heart was in the wrong place. Have you ever been there? You see, Martha's house, you've been to Martha's house, haven't you? You've been to those people's house? I mean, everything is perfect. Everything has a place and everything is in its place. It is immaculate, clean. There's not a, just even a speck of dust to be seen or picked up on a fingertip. As you look around and you see, you can smell the dinner cooking. You know it's just been prepared exactly right. There is hardly, there is not even a trace of clutter anywhere. There's not a mess to be seen. But when you walk in, what do they do? Oh, forgive this mess. It is just such a pigsty. And you're thinking, let me slap you a little bit. Do you see my house? You've been to Martha's house, haven't you? You know what Martha's house looked like. But see, the problem is not her house. Her house was immaculate. It was her heart that was cluttered with worry and pride and even anger. You see, her house looked wonderful, but Jesus could see inside. To the part that really mattered. And she saw a woman who was living a cluttered life. Have you ever done the right thing with the wrong motives? Have you ever gone through the motions but your heart not been in the right place? If I can get a little more pointed today for those of you with young children... How many of you came this close to losing your Christianity on your way to church? Have you ever been so consumed when you had some people over that you were more worried about the food and how it tasted and how it looked and you could not enjoy the fellowship with people that you had invited into your home? Perhaps you spend so much time working and providing for your family that you don't see your family much anymore. You see, your, your heart's in the right place. You're doing the right things, but it leads to the wrong set of actions. 
Perhaps you spend so much time engrossed in your social media that you're becoming increasingly less sociable. You spend so much time engaged in other people's lives that you forget to live your own life. You're so worried about FOMO, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out, that you really start to miss out. Because you're staring at a screen all the time. Perhaps you went through worship today, but worship did not go through you. You see, it's easy to get caught into the Martha's temptation. It's easy to become susceptible to what she fell into. She was doing the right thing, and yet her heart was in the wrong place. You got to check your motives. That's very important. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church that had a ton of problems. And one of the big issues that they had was that they were worrying and arguing over spiritual gifts, over the gifts of prophecy and uh, speaking in tongues and doing all sorts of uh, wonderful, miraculous things. And Paul's trying to make the case to them, listen, if you want to survive as a church, you can't depend on those things. You've got to look for something much more deeper. You've got to check your motives. He says, even if you're doing all of these wonderful things, if you're not doing it with the right heart, you're doing it in the wrong way. Chapter 13, starting in verse 1. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, I can prepare a message, I can practice a message, I can exegete it until it's perfect. But if I do not love the people to whom I preach, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have a faith that can move mountains, but have not... Love, I am nothing. You can be very smart and very wise and you can impress people with your wisdom. You can be a person of great faith. You can uh, do like we talked about last week and have the widow's level of faith and trust God fully and completely. And Paul says, even if you have that gift, but you don't have love, you're missing it. You're missing what God has called us to do. And if I give all I possess to the poor. And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. You can be a missionary. You can redeem thousands upon thousands to Christ. You can do that to the point where you are persecuted, even executed, and martyred for your faith. But if you do not have the love of the Lord within you and the love of the Lord that he has for his people, all of that is for naught. you got to check your motives because you can do the right things without love. You can do the right things without loving God and you can do the right things without loving people. And we fall into Martha's syndrome. The second thing we learn is that Martha was distracted. But Mary was devoted. You see, she had let little things 
overtake big things. Now, notice I didn't say she didn't let bad things overtake good things. She wasn't doing bad things. She was serving. She was opening her home. She was letting people in. She was making a meal. She was doing all that that has to be done. But she had let those things supersede being present with Jesus. You see, the urgent had overcome the important. It's sitting through worship and saying, we've got through all these songs. How many more songs do we have to go through till we can take the Lord's Supper so we can get out of here real quick? Because I'm going through the motions, but my heart's not in it. I'm going to call you to focus on your Lord. You've probably had the same temptation if you invited Jesus to your house. I mean, if Jesus said you had that Zacchaeus moment and he said, I want to come to your house today. You say, hold on, Jesus, I need just a little bit of time. Give me a couple of weeks and I got some things to get ready. <laughs> it's really quite a mess in there. And I, quite honestly, there's some there's some books that I don't really want you seeing. And there's some movies you probably wouldn't want me to have in there. And some, some, some things in my browsing history that you wouldn't be too proud of. So let me get prepared. Let me clean up a little bit. Let me make every room spotless. Let me give great thought to the perfect meal. Let me arrange everything neatly. Let me get everything perfect. Let me tell my children in no uncertain terms that we are going to behave because Jesus is coming to this house. And do not embarrass me in front of the Lord. You see, we can get exactly the same way Martha was. Where our focus is not on the Lord, but on all the other things that get in the way. Mar- uh, Mary, Mary didn't worry about those things. And those of us type A's get a little frustrated with Mary because she probably enjoyed the meal that we made. She probably enjoyed being in the house that we cleaned. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. Just go sit over there and enjoy Jesus. And what Jesus said was this. He didn't say what Martha was doing was bad. He said, you are distracted. You are worried and upset about many things. But there's only one thing that's necessary. And Mary chose that. Mary treasured her time with Jesus. She knew it was a gift. And so she chose to be present. May we do that. May we be devoted Instead of being distraction, distracted. And our final point is that Martha was seeking perfection. And Mary was seeking to be present. Mary was worried about many things. They were not bad things. They were just unimportant things. I wonder what it is in your life that you're worried about that's not really that important. Many of those things got to be left behind like Mary did so that we can seek what is better. Turn to one other verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Uh, type A's, this bothers us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Someone says to me, Toby, 
you need to relax a little bit. All that really does is stress me out. Because i got to figure out how I can do all the other things I was doing and still relax a little bit and, and see, that's, that's the Martha in me. And God wants us to do exactly the opposite of what Martha did. It's fine if you want to have all those other things, but make sure you are first seeking to be present with your Lord. And then what happens is, The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Because when you focus and devote yourself to the presence of the holy Jesus, what happens is you are nearing perfection. You are getting close to glory. And you are getting, if I can speak frankly, as close as you will ever get. Perfection works against presence, you see. Perfection causes us to stress and obsess about all the things that we're not. Perfection keeps leaders from doing the things that they should because it's not perfectly worked out. Perfection causes you to keep from inviting anyone over to your house because your house is too small, because you don't have nice enough things, because your children are too crazy. You see, I, I gotta be perfect before I can be present. That's a lie. Be present. And then you'll be near perfect. It makes us fearful. It makes us fearful of sharing our faith. It makes us fearful of sharing our faith because we don't have all the right answers. We don't have all the answers. And so because we don't have all the answers, we don't have all the right answers because we're not the preacher, because we're not an elder. We never share anything because we're fearful that we won't be perfect. Fear keeps us from being so Friendly, but only with the people that we know. I spoke with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. He's in here this morning. I said, I'm sorry, I have to introduce myself. I probably should know you, but I don't. He said, that's okay. You have walked by me the past couple of weeks. He said, I don't blame you. He said, everyone else has too. Because we were so focused on ourselves that we forgot to be present. It's easy to be focused on ourselves and try to make ourselves look perfect. But there is coming a day, and it will be the last day of your life. And it will either be in a nursing home, it will be in a hospital room, it will be in the ER, it will be at your home, it will be in the market, it will be at your workplace. I don't know when or where it will be. Maybe it will be as you're crossing the street. But your life will come to an end. And as you finish breathing the last breaths of air in your life, and as your heart finishes beating, the last few things as you recollect, recollect the full course of your life will be regret over the areas where you tried to be perfect. And so because you couldn't be perfect, you did nothing. The most regret you'll have in your life comes from trying to be perfect instead of being present. So between the good and the better, choose what is better. Choose what Mary chose and do like she did.
I want to give you a tip this morning, and that is this simply this, to discard your distractions. Every single pew, those of you on the left end with the guest book, you guys are going to have to pay attention because every single pew on the left end by the guest book, if you're sitting right by the guest book, I need you to look up. I, I know you're praying. I know you wouldn't be sleeping right now, but you've you got to look up for a second, and, and you got to take that guest book and pull it aside, and you're going to see some Post-it notes. If you got a Post-it notepad, I want you to take a Post-it, single Post-it. One's for you, then pass the stack down. Because I want you to do this this morning. It's not in the book. It's not in the book. It's beside the book. There should be a, a stack of posts that look just like this, okay, or different color, okay? Take one, pass it down. This morning, I'm calling you to be like Mary and yearn for the presence of Jesus. And if you haven't decided to follow Jesus, uh, we're going to have a song in just a minute where you can come seek Jesus. My question to you, those of you who have decided to follow Jesus but yet you've become distracted again. Are you passing those post-its down? Now, some of you don't have a post-it. You're like, I don't need a post-it. Okay, Martha. I don't have to write anything down. I'm perfect. Got it all figured out. You need to get it figured out and wrap this sermon up, dude. Pass the post-its down and write down what it is that's been distracting you from Jesus lately. Now, it may be more than one thing, but I guarantee you there's at least one thing. And I want you to write it down. And what I call you this week is that you intentionally, purposefully seek to discard those things. And so in just a moment, we're going to have the invitation song. If you want to respond and to follow Jesus, fine, come. And if, if you want us to pray with you and encourage you, fine, come. But if you don't respond this morning, what we're going to do after the invitation song is we're going to have a time of worship. You say, whoa, 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 wait a second. I didn't see that on the Holy Order of Worship. You're right. It's not on there because what we want you to do this morning is to take the thing that you wrote down and stop worrying about it. And spend the next few minutes worshiping your Lord and being like Mary. And sit at the feet of Jesus and be like Mary. Be present, be devoted, and open your heart to the Lord Jesus. Be present with God and be present with others. And then after the final amen is sung, I want to encourage you to do two other things. One is, I want you to be present this morning, there are people on your pew that you don't know that you haven't talked to because you're uncomfortable. Good. Get uncomfortable and reach out. And by the way, I've got a Chick-fil-A gift card if you can figure out the mystery guest who I was referring to earlier today. He's sitting here. He is. And he's wondering, is anybody going to take the preacher at his word? Are you going to introduce yourself to somebody you don't know? Or are you going to stay in your own comfortable little clique? The second thing is, after you're present with other people, you're going to exit these doors, and as you do, there will be a trash can there, and I want you to toss your distractions. And Tyler's helping me with this. He said, Dad, are people really going to throw away their cell phones and their children? I mean, that's going to be weird. (laughs) (laughs) Trash cans aren't that big. They're only for post-it notes, okay? Understand? This morning, can we call away from the order of worship for just a minute? Can I just call you to be present with your Lord. You haven't been near his feet in so long that you've forgotten how to worship. You've let your life become so full of distractions that your heart is very cluttered. And your house looks very neat, but your heart is very cluttered.
You can just pray with me. And after we pray, Brent, if you'll come lead the invitation song. Father in heaven, thank you so much for not giving up on us. Thank you so much for loving us, for loving the Marthas as much as you love the Marys. Thank you for for pointing us back to ourselves and saying, we got some stuff that we got to get rid of. And I just pray this morning that we have the courage to write those things down and that we have the courage to really be present with you in worship in the next few minutes and that we have the courage to be present with other people and guests and that we have the courage to toss aside the distractions. Give us courage, Father, and give us faith like Mary. We want to be in your presence, Lord. We pray that you come into our presence as we seek yours. In his holy name that we pray. Amen. Come as together we stand and sing.